This is Cade Massey, practice professor at the Wharton School. On this week's highlight show, we have a conversation among all four hosts about baseball and what we can make of a team that makes the league championship series seven years in a row. The role of chance, experience, home field, terrific, interesting conversation, digging into some of these issues here in the meat of the Major League Baseball postseason. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball. Welcome to a full hour of sports analytics here on SiriusXM. This is Cade Massey coming to you with the whole crew. Audie Weiner rolling down his window shades during the introduction. Eric Bradlow, Shane Jensen, everyone here on Zoom. We've been coming to you via Zoom since the pandemic hit. Coming up on four years ago, three and a half years ago, something like that. Good morning, guys. We're recording in the a.m. That's not our usual since the pandemic hit. We're usually on Tuesday afternoons, Tuesday morning this week. Schedules conspired for that, but always good to see you. Shane is looking like from home in Philadelphia. I'm from home in central Texas. Eric Bradlow in his Huntsman Hall office and Audie Weiner in the new offices across campus. Guys, we are at a kind of a rich time in the sport calendar. We are kicking off hockey, basketball. We are mid-season for college football and the NFL, and we are nearing the end. We're getting to the very peak of Major League Baseball. And I know you guys don't have your number one team in any of you in the running, but you, I think all of you have your number two team deep into the running. And so I think regardless of who's there, you'd be paying some attention. I'm very curious. We have open lines today, both halves, no guest. We're going to indulge conversation for the full hour. What do you guys have to say? What's caught your eye, especially in the world of major league baseball. I, I think I have to preempt Shane by talking about it's a coin toss because all our great teams, really epically good teams are gone. And it's yeah, except for Houston. Except for Houston. Houston, which is definitely not a coin flip kind of team. Right. But it's interesting about Houston because they were not, you know, they weren't the great Houston teams of the past few years. Um, and uh, and Atlanta and Los Angeles were stacked and um, just in and out. I mean, I guess Atlanta gave, did manage to win one game, but I think, wasn't didn't uh, the Dodgers go down a straight set? <laughs> it's, and, and, the or, and the Orioles, too. The Orioles, the Orioles too. 100-team winner. I, Hunter team winner exactly. So those are the they hadn't three. been swept. They hadn't been swept in like a season and a half or some crazy thing, and they went out. They went out in a sweep. Eric, yeah. What's interesting? I mean, I know Adi and Shane know this as well. I mean, we have three teams that each had a total exactly the same record this year: ninety wins. The Rangers, the Astros, and the Phillies all won exactly ninety games. We'll get to the tiebreaker and its statistical implications in a second. And, of course, the Diamondbacks won 84 games and had a negative run-loss differential. I mean, they gave up more runs than they scored. So somebody's going to win this World Series, and the most wins they're going to have is 90, which doesn't seem like a massive number. And if you had told most people that the Phillies, the number four seed in the NL, would have home field, they would say, well, how's that possible? I mean, somebody, the Dodgers, the Braves, or the Brewers, one of them would have to get through. I mean, I understand it's a coin flip, but the well, top- not the same thing last year. I mean, the I, I think I think weren't both the Padres and Phillies wild card 
teams last year as well. This happens kind of, you know. The Astros were this, this will happen when you've got coin flips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. It, I don't think it happened in both uh, both leagues, but you're right. I think, but even coin flips, like you would expect, Shane, that one of the three top teams might emerge from that, even if there were coin flips. I'm referring to the fact that all three of the division winners were yeah. eliminated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in, both leagues, in both leagues. In both leagues. But this well, is... Not, a, not Houston. Last year, no. Last year, you mean? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston won the division. I mean, again. You, yeah, the Houston tied with Texas. Right, let's just, I, I mean, this... Well, can, can we talk about Houston? Because while we reify the corn, coin flip yeah. theory of baseball playoffs, we should acknowledge that it does, Houston... It, does, it doesn't something apply to them. They, almost trans- they completely transcended it. Okay, so, so how, how do you put those two things together in our view of the world? How how do we to understand a, a coherent view of the world in the presence of both the coin flip theory and the Astros? Well, see, the way I see the rule world is there's rules and then there's exceptions to the rules. And <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, I I don't know how to explain. I mean, I've thought a lot and I've watched a lot of Astros. You know, over the last few years, we've all been forced to. <laughs> Um, by their well, let's just note. Let's note for the conversation those who yep. may not have it. The, the what we're talking about. We're talking about, I believe, seven straight ALCS, NLCS appearances, yeah. right. which is just remarkable, especially in the presence of the coin flip model we have. Basically, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, they've you know obviously won seven straight division series. You know, they've uh, they're going for their fourth pennant. You know, if they win the World Series, it'll be their third in that seven years. Obviously, that's way beyond. You know, those are Brady numbers or something like that. That's way beyond the coin flip type of thing. So I, I think, what are they doing? I, I, I mean, you, you know, this is not, I don't think there's any kind of stat that I've come up with. It does, I mean, it, it does suggest maybe somehow that their experience, I mean, you know, experience, playoff experience perhaps is something that kind of like does really help them. But honestly, okay, it, could one, just be, it could just be a combination of luck. And, you know, they could just have been lucky. It, obviously very good team to get to the postseason every year but the difference between say them and the yankees is it more than luck well let me add one other piece to the picture and that is that usually when we see that kind of longevity or sustained sustained success it is under the same regime of some kind and usually i want to give credit to front offices or coaches but they've the only longevity in that system have been a few players correct because the front office has completely turned over so Luna, yeah, I mean, through famously, turned over through, you could still credit the front office for building this dynasty. This is, this and they, is okay. they turned over through things unrelated to baseball performance, obviously. Well, this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. So Luno gets run off, and Elias and Mydell go to the Orioles, and so the top three guys, the top three guys at the Astros for those that first championship are gone. So you could say, but they put into place a farm system and a developmental process that has continued to pay dividends. That's possible as a theory. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's possible. I think Adi was trying to get in first. And then yeah, I, I want to respond to that. And also, I mean, this is essentially what a GM does or baseball operations is put into place the process that leads to the selection and development and training of top major leaguers. I mean, this is Chaim Bloom's c- complaint. He says, they fired me after I spent three, four years building up the Red Sox. Did exactly what they, he did exactly what he was instructed was to, to do. He did it well. Yeah, so that so that's that's potentially the, the explanation. But I always wondered, and I, I don't know if there's any research on this, but what is it that makes a playoff team successful? Is it just luck 
in the sense that you're, I mean, we know, and this is something I've studied, pitchers can get good. They have, they can have genuinely good days and bad days. And it's a set of the part of the coin toss is that your pitchers are on um, enough of them. You don't need that many, a starter, a couple starters to have terrific um, performances in a series and you're great. And that's luck. But is it more to it? Is there anything systematic that we know about baseball that suggests high performance in the playoffs? I think Shane wants to respond to that. So Shane, jump in and then we'll we'll catch here. Well, yeah, basically, I think part of the reason we struggle with this every year is that there are multiple paths to success. There isn't like one formula that we can't, you know, we keep like, you know, seeing Name or not some seeing of the paths. Because of noise. Well, Name obviously, you know, remember like, five, what was it, five, six years ago when we were all talking about like, oh, well, the way you win the postseason mm-hmm. is bullpen and defense because the Kansas <laughs> City Royals, remember those guys? Remember when the Kansas City Royals went to two yeah. straight World Series? They did it with bullpen and defense, you know, you know, and obviously the Houston Astros have bullpen has been a good bull you know again it's hard to pick out what is kind of the game changer in the playoffs because you're talking about like you know mixtures of all very good teams you know you can look back to 2001 you know eric i think's main thing is oh you need those two frontline aces that's how you win the playoffs because you're probably still thinking back to 01 when you had kurt schilling and randy johnson going up against the yankees that's another path to success okay i've got i want to respond but let eric Bryce get in Harper, there's another one well, yeah. so I, I missed, I was, I've been sitting here thinking about the Astros and also thinking about effect sizes. And here's what I mean. Let me go back to my comment about 390 win teams. There's an interesting triangle of records right now, which means the Phillies, the Rangers, and the Astros all ended up with 90 wins. Now the question is, who has home field in the World Series? So here's interestingly, the Phillies would have it against the Astros, but not against the Rangers. So now my question is, and I'd love Shane's thoughts on this. If you're the Phillies, let's pretend you make it to the World Series. Would you rather have home field against the experienced Astros who just beat you last year? Or would you rather not have home field but play Texas? And I'm even happy for you to condition on the fact that Texas is up 2-0. to zero. And so for the Astros to make the World Series... They'd have to have some momentum, win four out of five games, and then they make it to the World Series. Would you rather have home field or do you rather play against the team with less experience? Which one would you rather? If Thinking of that trade-off and effect sizes and how I successful mean, yeah. the Astros have been, what would you do? All right, I'm going to jump in. Uh... I think home field advantage is a very small effect size, particularly in the on a game by game basis. It's small, and I don't think. And you remember, what are you getting? You're getting essentially one extra game if needed. That's what you're getting in baseball. It goes two, three, two. So it's not the back and forth that you get. So I would argue that it, it's uh, the weaker team is what you want. Whatever whatever team you think that is, that's the weaker team that you want. And I'm not sure we know which one of that no, is. No, no, no. That's right. I don't think we know which one's weaker yeah. because yeah. you know. Um, but I would, I would, I would say I would rather avoid the Astros. I mean, in this case, you, you, I mean, you set up a cool experience versus home field comparison. This is a bad team to spay because the Astros are way better actually on the road in the playoffs than they are at home. Not only that, this year, I mean, oh, I, this year you this definitely want to be, avoid the Astros. I'm confident. I, I haven't looked this up, but I could. I'm confident if the Astros win the World Series this year, they'll have the worst home record of any team to have won the World Series. They went 39 and 43 
or 42 on the on home this year. They won look 50, up the, the 2006 St. Louis Cardinals. Weren't they the kind of famous one for they lost? They won. Okay, maybe you're right, but I mean the Cardinals. Sorry, the Astros this year won 51 road games and 39 home games. Okay, but you know, let's let's walk away from that. Would you going forward, you be, be would you think the Astros are genuinely worse on on at home than the road, or are you just going to look at back of that and go that's just randomness? I wouldn't be betting against. <laughs> I think fifty. I, 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 I think I I think any two sample proportion test you did of a six twenty winning percentage versus a four eighty winning percentage with an N of eighty one in both cases. I'm pretty not sure, a small sample they, size they, with the Astros. I'm pretty now. sure you would get that the Astros were a worse home team this year. But but why would that? Wouldn't you need some explanation before you bought it as a, yeah, as I a mean, viable it, result? Wouldn't you need some mechanism? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, one could this make a narrative. You could make a narrative where, like, you know, road experience. I mean, it, it could be that not so much that the Houston Astros are particularly bad at home, but the reason they do so well on the road in the playoffs is that experience thing that we've actually, I want to, I want to bring up something that you just said, Cakes. I think it's an important statistical question and maybe it's philosophy of science question. So we're statisticians. And so let's imagine we observe an effect that is statistically cannot be, it's not easily explained just due to chance. Not easily is key phrase. Not easily. Okay, so now the question is, for one to believe it or think it's a real effect, does one need an explanation? And for me, the answer is no, because there's all kinds of explanations that could explain it that I can't come up with. And therefore, for me, they're just for me. The effect could be significant. I can't explain why it's happening, but I believe it's a real effect. That's for me. I hear you, and I even like the way you said it. It's just that I think the domains in which this might occur vary dramatically on the on the mechanism space. So in baseball, I think we have a reasonable understanding of the mechanism space as opposed to give me some physical science world or some computing thing where I may not be even in touch with a part, a, a fraction of the mechanism space. In, these, in this domain... I have a little bit of a hard time I'm realizing I don't I don't know that much. It's a little hard. It's not like it's some baffling, confusing, never never entered into world that's occurring. Well, let me let me come up with a theory, and you guys see if you can reject it. And I have one other stat from the Houston series I want to talk to you about. I um, got at least a couple more. Okay, but just 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 quickly, he suppose the following happened, that I'd have to look at the serial correlation of games. Suppose halfway through the season, I'm making this up, through 40 games, 41 games at home. Suppose the Astros were 15 and 26, okay? So already, everyone's talking to them about the fact that they stink at home. They didn't play well at home. And now, all of a sudden, it's it's a psychological effect, which is they know they've performed poorly at home. Everyone talks to them that they've performed poorly at home. And so now all of a sudden it has an impact on their performance at home. I don't think that's a totally implausible mechanism, not just for the Astros, but for any team for which there's this differential. It's not crazy. I also want to acknowledge that I always want to preach about paying attention to what you don't know you don't know. So here I am saying, hey, I kind of understand the baseball space. I understand the world of possible explanations, and I don't see anything, so, I, so I'm so i confident that it's not something. 
That just can't be true. There's no telling the number of things that could be going on, even if we know this space better. That's what I said. There could be lots places. of things. That's why I don't feel like I need an explanation. I, I do. I do. I'm, I'm just taking the edge off of what I said before, that the, the space is probably bigger than I, than I think it is. And the, but I don't think it's so big that I'm ready to accept this. Adi's trying to jump in. Adi's got a statistical observation. Yeah, so I actually calculated the p-value, and it's not even – doesn't even below 0. 0.05. Um, so it's – it's, uh, it's close. Might- 0.0573. But, uh, and I guess if I, I'm going to make sure. I, I guess it's not worth looking at then. Yeah. So, but exactly. you know, remember there's always. It's oh, also Bayesians? Post-hoc. Aren't I on here with a bunch of Bayesians? <laughs> but it's also post hoc. I mean, everything, if you look in the past, there's always something that looks unusual. Well, I mean, so I'm, of course, doing a two sample. So I'm looking at both sides. So uh, um, I'm looking and, and that cuts it. That doubles it right there. Right. If you had looked for the reverse home field, you would have, you would have half that. But you know, I, I would I personally just wouldn't be betting on it unless you could divine a mechanism like you could say they have too many right handed hitters, uh, left handed hitters, and that park is bad for that. I mean, there are parks that are really bad for certain kinds of hitters and there are yeah. handedness effects by park. There's also pitchers parks and, and, and hitters. Parks. It would be unusual for such a well run organization, at least by out <laughs> constructed, not tailor <laughs> that, you know. We, we, we see organizations do that, but it's always... It Before be we move away from effect sizes, I wanted to bring up just one other quick one. So, Adi, I always love asking you this question because your answer is always not a slight bit, not even a tiny bit. They put up a stat during the game yesterday, the Astros game, the Astros-Rangers game, that Bruce Bochy, three-time World Series champion manager with the Giants, his team has won the first game of a series 13 times with him as manager. He's won all 13. He's never lost a series. Never. 13, not 1-0, not 5-0, 13-0, in which his team has won the first game of the series. As you, if you were doing a forecast, forget that they're 2-0, as you are doing a forecast for the outcome of the series, is that worth, I love asking these questions, Adi, is that worth anything to you? Anything? You know, first of all, my general view of when someone says it's worth anything, I'm as a as a as a Bayesian, enough of a Bayesian, I don't I have a priors, right? And a prior has probabilities on non-zero numbers, and no amount of data can shake you away from that. So yes, it's worth something. The question is how much is it worth? And I would argue that it's worth so potentially so little that I wouldn't really work it into my forecast. The fact that they've already won two games is really all I need to know. They're a heavy favorite. And that's or another, another way of saying that is if I was to come up with some probability of them making it to winning the pennant, that would maybe be fat. That wouldn't even be a full percentage. Like it would be in like the fractional percentage. In the fractions, that exactly. It's, it's in that's, the, my, that's my guess at the effect. It's I in the decimals. I do have a kind of fun one about winning the pennant. If you like, you know, just again, fan graphs, one of our, favorite predictors is not a coin flip model they have texas up to nothing in the series the probability of the astros still winning the pennant is at 25 percent. so keep that in mind the (laughs) phillies are up one nothing in the series the probability of the diamondbacks winning the pennant is also well it's 26 percent. it's basically the same that's yeah that's crazy like again i mean as much as incredible astros don't fit the model that's a full you know, that's like, yeah, it's so crazy that those two events. And also, have I guess you have to add a little bit. So, it's not only surprising, but it's shocking. But it obviously goes against any type of coin flip model. And for whatever value you put on home field, the Astros did also lose the first two at home. I mean, yeah. for whatever value you want to put on that. And the next three are in Texas. So I, that 
Which of those two numbers, Shane, do you have more trouble believing? Yeah, right. Exactly. The Astros uh, number, probably. The Diamondbacks number, I think. You know, just because they're down one nothing to put them down to twenty five percent of winning this series, is that really? Okay, so this know, is back. This is the Fangraphs. We we've thought all season that the Fangraphs had two. We're too sure what they knew about teams, and they're too deterministic based on what they believe about the teams. They actually are um, very they have very strong priors at Fangraphs. They yeah, yeah no, I mean the yeah. very fact that you know uh, uh, we saw their little graphic before the playoffs began, where it's you know the Orioles. Well, anyway, I guess they were right about the Orioles. Uh, I want to. Audie got me thinking. Audie got me thinking actually about sort of cherry pick data because when he was talking about sort of you know um, that and uh, I just want a couple really cherry picked facts from the Phillies series because obviously we've been watching that intensely. Nick Castellanos at one point, and this is cherry picked; it's not current. Had five home runs in eight at bats. That was his streak. That's so insane when you hit home runs less than five home runs in eight or. Another streak, the Phillies at one point had had 10 straight solo home runs. Yeah, nobody on base. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. what happens when, that's what happens when you have a leadoff hitter who basically strikes out a homer, homers. Well, I mean, he walks a ton, too. He does walk a ton. He's got like an OBP of like 0.4. No, okay. no, it's not that good. It's not that high. I wish it were. <laughs> Guys, I'm curious about this other thing. I want to push us just a little bit on this other thing you mentioned and just took it as accepted early in the conversation, and that is the value of experience. And we, we talked about the Astros being experienced, and maybe that's how we explain seven straight ALCSs is their experience. Do we know, Have we? has it been shown that experience in the playoffs contributes to better performance in in future playoffs? I mean, do, that's a, that's How a do question. Talk about that? a confounded problem. It's like, oh, our teams win. Do teams win a lot of times in a row because they're good or experienced? Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with Shane. It's what's the causal estimate or effect you think you're measuring? I mean, the fact that the Astros have been there seven straight times. Yeah, they're experienced. Yeah, they're really damn good. And matter of fact, we have a lot of evidence that they're really damn good because of, they've done this consecutively. So that's the issue is that in some sense, you know, I for example, here's a paper that just got presented in my home department marketing here just the other day, which is, matter of fact, it was it was about this. How well do people perform, in this case, it was in games, let's call it some sort of e-video game type of thing, after conditioning for strength and looking at consecutive performance. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to control for the fact that the Astros have this strength parameter and the Rangers have this strength parameter. And then I'm going to try to understand how much does past performance add above and beyond that. Because without controlling for that, as Shane said, you have this not just confound. I don't know how you disentangle those two no, things. No, and I mean, like, it's interesting because you've got first. something like Houston that seems to, even conditional on it being good, show unusually good performance in the playoffs. And, you know, it's certainly... And but then you on the other flip side, you've got like, you know, the Dodgers and I guess the Braves, I mean, or more like early 2000s Braves, where they obviously are real, were really good, at least by regular season standards and just, you know, continue to like not make it through in the playoffs. And again, the you could probably explain that with coin flips as well. So it's really kind of like whether a team sort of, you know, significantly deviates from but that. Forget the, forget the team. You can't make it easier and just look at individual players. And can't we ask just how a player's oh, yeah. performance? Now, this is a, this, why is this not something that's frankly already been done? Surely it is. How does a, how does a player's experience in the playoffs contribute to his performance? Because we, we observe enough of that guy 
over enough years to have some sense of his underlying quality, as Eric says, and then ask, what's the impact of experience per se? Just a couple of quick measurement issues. One is we could all have a debate about how to measure experience, right? Is it number of times, number of games, number of at-bats, although I don't think that's a massive effect. Second could be, are we going to allow for an interaction term between level of experience and success in that experience? Like, for example, um, right. if, you, if you've sucked in the postseason, like, for example, at this point, playoff Kershaw, right. he's got a ton of experience in the postseason, but hasn't performed well in the postseason. Clayton so- Kershaw versus Nate Eovaldi are like such a study in two different pitchers where one just, just comes down the... Just yeah. one last quick thing, Adi. I don't. I think you. Saw, I don't know if you saw this stat, but our probably the greatest Yankee in our lifetime. Which, by the way, as we both agree. Oh, Shane, oh, oh hold on! Stop! 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 No, no, stop, Shane. Who are they going to say? Oh, I know because I think I, I, I was the one that led to this. I, I, I think they're going to say Mo, or that—that's who they should say. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Mariano Rivera is good. the greatest Yankee in our lifetime. It's not Derek Jeter. It's not Derek Jeter by well, it's not by far. He's the well, he's not the. It depends what you want to call our lifetime. <laughs> no, Whatever. <come> on. <laughs> here's my here's my point. Poor guy having a body. Do you know? Superstar was slightly better. He just got passed because of, because he reached the number of innings. Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, Adi, is now number one all time in ERA in the postseason, lower than Mariano Rivera's zero point seven whatever. He's now right. in. Is, zero- that, is that based on innings in total? Is that why? Correct. He just yeah. Zach Wheeler. And by the way, Zach Wheeler's went up because I was at yesterday's game and he gave up two runs and whatever six innings. But even including that, he just made the fifty inning threshold. I don't know who knows who picked that number, but he's got the best ERA all time of any pitcher. And by the way, two of the other three are that well, Kenley Jansen's one, but there's also Christy Mathewson and Sandy Koufax are the other yeah, two. The other two, I imagine that. This well, is actually kind of a good lead in to like I kinda of wanted to talk to you guys. Have you guys ever like kind of looked at win probability added? As, no, I, I don't. I mean, obviously, as a prospective measure, whatever. But like, as a ret- just a retrospective measure of how a player's done, especially in the playoffs, I think it's kind of an interesting measure. And I just want to bring, you know, I, I, you know, it's cool to bring it up in this particular case because Mariana Rivera, like, if you look at all time, kind of win probability added over all postseasons, Mariana Rivera, like, is like three standard deviations above the next highest dude. He's like added eleven point <laughs> seven wins. Right. <laughs> in his career. Next highest highest career is Kurt Schilling at like 4.1. Oh, my gosh. And they I basically have more... the same number of innings, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. That's with leverage. So because yeah. Rivera comes in and and he's he can change the, the amount by a lot because you're in the ninth inning and it's not a lead, not a big lead. If you come in with four run lead, forget it. That's not Yeah, no, and I mean, for hitters, it's the same way, you know, like uh, – a grand yeah. slam in the eighth versus a grand slam in the first is going to, even though those two things have the same run value. Oh, but Adi, oh, Adi, you just brought this up. I was, I was, I should have, I apologize. I should have tweeted at W Moneyball because of this. Do you, Adi, I don't know if you see, you didn't watch a lot of baseball recently. I think it was in game four, but might have been game three of the Braves Philly series. It's the seventh inning, seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Phillies are up, let's call it four, two or four, three. There's men on first and third with one out. The Phillies brought in the closer. Yeah. Cardiac Craig. Yeah. They brought in Craig. They brought in Kimbrell in the seventh inning, Adi. Not, and this was, you've said, can you, Adi, repeat yeah. for our listeners what you've said about this fact for years on our show? 
a, a run saved in any inning counts the same amount. It doesn't matter whether it's the ninth or the seventh. But you know, this is something that remember um, that um, that a comment we learned years ago um, that if that you have to have the pitcher ready, right? And you typically don't have the the closer ready in the seventh inning. If, and so if you got to that first and third with enough time to get your closer up, then you can bring him in. But if it happened too quickly and you didn't have the the you didn't have him preparing, you wouldn't be able to do it. And that's uh, this is this is um, uh, 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 I mean, I forget who told us this. So. Well, I mean, but it's also in the context. I mean, I feel like when we used to talk about, oh, bring in your closer at that high, most high leverage, even it's not the ninth. You were envisioning a closer that was demonstrably like he was by far your best relief pitcher. Right. Now we don't have that. I mean, that's not the cardiac craze. And it's not Kimbrel. Right. Guys, uh, speaking of pitching in these playoffs, and as we wrap up and head out of here, I just want to acknowledge that baseball still has a monopoly on, I, I think, well, there's there's two competitors for this. The best moment in sports, the best situation in sports. And one of them is penalty kicks in soccer. You know, it's high-stakes soccer games that come down to penalty kicks. And the other is these late-inning matchups just the face down between a pitcher and a hitter in key moments it doesn't get other than that soccer penalty kick it doesn't get better i'm a very casual baseball fan but you give me you know you give me this three two game moments of ten game last night last night the early game last night night, guriel at the plate against jansen with two men on trust me none of us at the stadium were happy wait i'm gonna push (laughs) back on that because although the soccer one is super exciting that's a coin toss and and you're really yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that's uh, that's that's fair. That that's, that's yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, there's certain players that are better than others, but I mean, it's uh, still the outcome, even the outcome of a, 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 a an at bat. You know, it it, it it's well, that, it is that it's a one. It's a very defined, not predictable, but it's, it's highly not, chance. It's not random. Yeah. No, it, it behaves no. like random. Well, if, if, you're, if you're a jury no. member, the problem I don't think that's fair. of your team succeeding is around point five. Like is in that the fifty percent. That doesn't mean it's the, the outcome isn't determined by success. And by, I mean, this is now we're touching on a philosoph- philosophical issue, which I'd love to spend time on. But I think you're. I, I mean, I'm completely. Different. Yeah, I, I guess. Maybe okay. We're arguing okay. Good. So random. you're. I kudos to you for taking it deeper. I'm just going for drama at the moment. Yeah. I'm acknowledging the drama of the late playoff inning pitcher batter face off and high leverage moments. It's really, it's really a beautiful thing. All right, guys, that has been this week's Wharton Moneyball here on Sirius XM for the whole crew here. Eric, Shane, Adi, this has been Cade for Maddie Dad's the boss band and Dion Simpkins, the associate boss band. Thank you guys for listening. Come back and join us next time between now and then. Enjoy your sports.